So last week I preached on the, the basic premise of my preach was that God has called all of us to be his instruments to reach out to the, to the lost around us. Those people that don't know Jesus Christ, that are not yet in a saving relationship with Christ. I, I guess some people might get offended if we say, um, if we even use the term lost, like I'm not lost, I know exactly where I am. I'm, I'm right here, you know. But the truth is that there is a spiritual journey that people are on. And uh, until our eyes have been opened by God to be able to see the truth that He's revealed through His Son, Jesus Christ, we are lost. And so we've got to stop seeing people only as, like, are they well off? Are they happy? Are they unhappy? Are they, you know, like human measurements? We've got to start to see people, have they been brought to faith in Jesus Christ, reconciled to their Father, adopted into the family? Then uh, that's one kind of person. And the other is those that are yet to do that. And that's our responsibility in this city is to, to lead them to that place. And I've asked Morgan just to share what happened after service. It was after service, hey, last Friday, the next day. Um, so if you weren't here for Rob's um, preach last week, I really encourage you to um, get a hold of it on the podcast. It really um, reignited my desire and my hunger and my thirst to hear God's voice. And so um, I live up in Karama, and so I frequent the West Zone, if you're familiar. And so I go down to the supermarket, and I've lived there for about two years. And so um, I frequently go down there, talk to the cashiers, and whenever I first moved in, I had this real push of like, I want to see everyone on my block saved and all of these things. And, and so there's this certain supermarket that I continually go to. And um, the same cashiers, there's probably about five of them. And I bring them gifts for their birthdays and for the holidays. And so I know them quite well. And um, I've tried to share the gospel with them before. And I have to be honest, it's not working. And um, I would use different tactics and try different things, and it wasn't working. And so I think probably about nine months ago was the last time I had ever shared with anybody, any of the workers there. Um, and so it was the next day after, on Saturday, after Rob spoke about our reputation and laying down a reputation, sharing our testimony, and it really had me thinking. So I'm in line, checking out, it's quite busy, and um, I'm a couple people behind, and I feel like I get this word of knowledge for the the lady at the checkout, and and something about her mother, and I was sitting there thinking, God, I've tried so many times with this woman, and I don't think she's hungry. I don't think she's hungry to hear about you. Um, and this one, if you're familiar with words of knowledge, it's either right or it's wrong. And so the stakes are pretty high. And um, so I'm standing there, and I'm like, Oh gosh, she's gonna think I'm so weird. I already talked to her too much. And as it keeps going. I sit there and I think of how many of us hear Rob, things he said in, our, in the back of our minds whenever we don't want to do something. I was standing there and I, I remembered Rob saying, but lay down your reputation. Like, what if, what if she thinks you're weird? So I was like, okay. So it gets to me and I just said to her, I said, hey, you know, hi. And I said, um, did your mom have surgery whenever you were a child? And she said, and she stops and she begins to cry. And she says, how do you know that? And I turned around to the man behind me. I said, find another line. And, and this is going to be a while. And I said, I, you know I love God. You know I follow God. And he knows you. And he's always known you. He sees you. He's always seen you. And he knows that your mom had surgery when you were a child. And he was with you then. So she begins to weep. And, and so I'm sharing the gospel with her. Again, I've done it before. But it's, it's exactly like what Rob was saying, is we have to be led by the Spirit. We have to be listening, you know? I, it's Isaiah 30, I think, tells us that whether we go to the left or whether we go to the right, there will be a voice behind you telling you where to go. So, friends, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to us. But we have to be willing to listen and have to be willing to act. And 
so Michelle, why don't you come up if you don't mind? And uh, Michelle's going to just share something that took place in response to the preach last Friday, and I think will encourage us. So the, the best way to remember a preach is practice it immediately. Because when you walk out the door, so, so much happens that you forget what, you know, or you have to look up your notes or whatever. So when you listen, now today Dylan is going to be preaching, so just practice it when you go out. So Rob spoke on us uh, sharing the gospel. And one of the points was sharing your story. And uh, we, we were going out and driving home, and I told Saj, you know, I'm so excited. Uh, uh, yet another r reminder of how we should be sharing the gospel. And we went home and went up in the lift. We're on the 12th floor. And when we went in, the house uh, on our floor, one of the apartments, they were, there were p new people moving in. And uh, I went and quickly, I said, okay, let me quickly go now. Uh, because now let's practice this brief. So I went and I greeted them. I said, we're on the, we are this apartment. If there is anything that we can do for you, uh, we are here to serve you. And, and, and just that was the start. Because some of us think, okay, I don't know, so how do I start telling my story? Start by knocking on the neighbor's door and saying hi. And then you get the opportunity. So it was not a full gospel moment, but it was a seed that was planted. And it gives me the opportunity to go and greet them again. So good to be with you guys today. Um, it's amazing that we get to celebrate, as Rob said, with our hosts for their 50th birthday. And for all my friends who took the long weekend to go to the Sevens, I trust you're sharing the good news with somebody there. Today we get to dive into an exciting piece of scripture. And if you hadn't yet had a chance to go and listen to Rob's preach from last week, as was said earlier, I really encourage you to go and do that. And not just to listen to it, but to put it into practice. Let me pray before we start. Father, my heart is incredibly filled with gratitude that we get to gather together today and worship you. As we open up your word, Holy Spirit, would you impress on our hearts that which we need to take into our lives to live differently. Would you calm my heart with the excitement of being able to share your word. And God, we glorify you. Everything we do is for you and through you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. So if you remember last week, we basically ended off where Barnabas and Saul go to Antioch. And where we pick up today is about a year into their time of discipling the church in Antioch. If you have your Bibles with me, let's turn to Acts chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. It's going to be up on the screen. I'll give you a few seconds to find it. Let's read together. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And as we open that up immediately in verse 27, we see that there's, an, there's this arrival of prophets in Antioch. And then in the next verse, we see one of those prophets gets named, and his name is Agabus. And I know that there is probably so many differing views, perspectives, controversies around the prophetic in the global church today. 
And I know that most of those don't even belong to the global church. There are some incredibly dangerous examples of prophetic, and there are some very healthy, sound, biblical examples of the prophetic too. But today we're going to look at what is the role of the New Testament prophet, and how can we, you and I, function in the role of the prophetic or in the gift of the prophetic in the church today. So Paul, later in one of his books in in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, he explains that there's five gifts that Jesus Christ gives to the church. This is in Ephesians 4. There's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. And he gives these five gifts to the church for two reasons. That they would equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build the church. So the prophet's role, among with the four other gifts, is to intentionally equip the saints for ministry and to build the body of Christ. See, the Ephesians 4 prophets has been called to the office of prophets and functions daily in this role as a calling on their life. So contrary to popular belief, the role of the prophet is not solely about predicting the future. The words prophets and prophecy in the New Testament are used to mark ordinary Christians, you and me, who spoke not with absolute divine authority, but through the Spirit to simply report that which God had laid on their mind or on their heart. So if we look at this diagram, we can see it's not about claiming to be the voice of God, but rather as reporting something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So you see the revelation comes in, the spontaneous thought or image or picture or vision from God, and then the human being communicates a report of that as best as uh, as possible. That is prophecy. So in the case with Agabus, we see he spontaneously foretells by the Holy Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the known world at that time. Before Agabus got to Antioch, he wasn't walking the fields of Jerusalem thinking, wow, what could I say that will make the people in Antioch just go, wow, Agabus. It was a spontaneous moment. When we read this, we have to imagine that he's sitting together with the disciples and the other prophets, and spontaneously something comes to mind. It notes that he was sitting down because it says, Agabus stood up and foretelling by the spirit of the great famine to come. Totally spontaneous, spirit prompted. And you see that true prophecy is not a pre-planned or manufactured in any human way. The prophetic is a spontaneous moment, a thought, an image, or a vision that God, through His Spirit, chooses to reveal to a believer that they would report that as accurately as possible for the equipping of the saints and the building of his church. I love what Warren Wearsby says. He's a Christian theologian, and he reminds us that the purpose of true prophecy is not to satisfy our curiosity for the future, but rather to stir our hearts to the will of God. It's not about satisfying the curiosity about knowing what's coming, but it's about stirring the heart that we would walk in the will of God for our lives. Something so beautiful happened on Wednesday. If you were at Ignite, you would have seen Matt release the prophetic word. And just before that, I'm standing there worshiping God, and I feel like God 
put on my mind, that spontaneous thought enters, saying, people have bitter, bitterness in their hearts, and they're not able to move forward and proclaim the gospel and share their faith because of the bitterness that's there. And before I even have a chance, Matt's up on the mic, and he shares a very similar word, and he says, I feel like there's a lot of people with wounded hearts in the room, and God wants to do some work on that. And we move into a time of ministry and praying over one another. And that's just a beautiful picture of the fact that the prophetic is not alive and at work today. We didn't sit on Monday and say, okay, what can we say on Wednesday that will really make people think, wow, that was the Lord. It was totally spontaneous, spirit-prompted. Back to Acts 11, we see that Agabus is among a few prophets that arrive in Antioch, meaning that there must have been more. So this leads to our second point. Who were the other prophets? Were they women? Were they men? Were they of a certain age? Did they enter into a certain level of professional Christianity? There's no such thing, but who were they? But the passage doesn't say who they were. It just says that they were prophets. But when Peter preached in Pentecost in Acts 2, we get a very clear picture of who can prophesy. Thousands of people come to salvation off the back of Peter's preach in Acts 2. If you remember it, it was kind of like the first big preach after Jesus ascended. And in that preach, he refers to the prophecy from Joel, which is in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2. And this is what Peter quotes from Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, say it with me, on, your sons and, will, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will, sons and daughters, men and women. And while I was preparing, I felt that, that God wanted to highlight something. That, that women in our church need to, need to know that this isn't a, a gift that's reserved for men. That this is actually something that God has poured out on all people, sons and daughters. One of the disciples, Philip, had four daughters, and it says these four daughters prophesied. We have amazing examples of women in our church. We have Rika, we have Tanya, we have Geraldine and Petra who all prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul teaches the Corinthian church to especially desire that they would prophesy. He says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The desire that Paul has for all to speak in tongues, but even more so to prophesy, reflects the truth that you and I can desire that too and function in that as well. So in the words of Paul, I earnestly desire that we seek the spiritual gifts, even more so that we would prophesy and build up one another. Just a quick note, the Ephesians 4 gift of the prophet that I mentioned earlier is something very unique and individual that God in his sovereign, of sovereignty chooses to place on an individual whom he chooses, and it, it's an office for them. It's a calling that they function daily. To those, it is their calling to building the church and equipping the saints. So to some, God has given it as the office, their role and calling in life. But to the rest of us, Paul encourages that we desire the gift of prophecy to build up one another in the church. That makes sense, right? So now we understand the role of the prophet. We understand that the likes of you and me could have been the other prophets with Agabus. But 
I don't want you to leave today and just think, wow, Dylan, that was a cool teaching, and my life has not changed at all. I desire that we walk away with practical steps. So what I want to do is I want to give you three green lights to identifying what is the prophetic and when is it operating biblically. And then what are three red lights, almost like the bing, 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 the warning lights, like the fumes are going off, like run, that's not the prophetic, run away from that, that is just weird, okay? So let's go for the green lights first. The first green light, when we look into the passage of Agabus in Acts 11, but also throughout Scripture, we see that it has to be edifying, meaning are others being built up. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is teaching the church in Corinth around prophecy and tongues, and this is what he says. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So by the Spirit's enabling, Agabus foretold that there would be a great famine to come over all the known world. And when you read that, you might think, how is that encouraging? How is it the fact that people are going to be in desperate need and not have anything? How is that building the church? Well, in the beginning of Acts, we learned that the sufferings separated those who were united. And so God used that so that the truth of the gospel would spread. But then later, in the end, we learned that the sufferings united those who were separated. So the converted Greeks in Antioch, they learned through prophecy that the brothers in Judea would soon be in need. And so they immediately began to make contributions to those in need, and that permitted the body of Christ to flow into one. This aid helped the brothers in Judea to keep going, to not hinder them and to stop them from walking in the calling on the ministry that God had called them to. It edified and helped build the church in Judea and it unified the body of Christ from Antioch all the way to Judea. The prophetic is edifying. It's building up. It's encouraging. And so you're probably thinking, how do I personally process a word? If, it, if a spontaneous thought or image comes into my mind and I, I think it may be from God, how do I process that? Well, 1 Corinthians 14 is a great measure to ask questions in that moment. Is it building others up or is it breaking them down? Is this encouraging or is it discouraging? Does the person feel like a dog and they just never want to come back here again? Or is this consoling and comforting? Or is it discomforting? And what I mean by that is, I don't, I don't, I, I, I believe God makes us uncomfortable to move us into the directions that we need to go sometimes. But when I mean uncomfortable, like it's just weird. It's like weirdly intimate. Like there's this weird stuff going on there, and I don't want to give any examples. The second green light that we see is that it's activating. As the disciples receive the prophetic word from Agabus, they immediately respond. It says the disciples determined, each according to his own ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And then the next three words are so key. And they did so. Four words, sorry. And they did so. They followed through. They didn't wait around, get in some consultants, you know, pray about it for a few weeks, revisit it a year later. You know those guys suffering in Judea, how they're doing? Maybe, remember we received that prophetic word in that moment. They responded right there and then, and they actually followed through. When the prophetic is released, hearts are stirred up into action. I want to ask you, 
What are the prophetic words that you may have received that you've just shelved and you haven't paid attention to? And God is waiting for you to be activated through that. What are those God projects that He's put on your heart that sitting in your mind but you just haven't made any steps towards it? What is the brave step of obedience that God is calling you to? I was chatting to somebody earlier and they said, I was so uncomfortable, I was, I was so comfortable all the time. But I realize that as I step into the uncomfortable, as God takes me into the uncomfortable, I grow and I move more into the things of what God has for me. The third green light is that the prophetic is an unlocking. We see Agabus prophesies. He reports that which God brought to his mind and immediately something takes place. So the disciples, it says, determine each according to his own ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. God released something spiritually through Agabus to unlock something physically for the brothers living in Judea. The prophetic is not just to make us go, wow, good word. Okay, as we were saying. That's not what the prophetic is about. The prophetic is actually a physical unlocking where God is using that to build up the body of Christ and stir up people to follow His will. Recently in South Africa, Rob, Linda, and myself, we were in Johannesburg, and we met with a couple who are part of a church that's indirectly connected in Genesis. And as we're sitting at the table, Gerardus, it's a very hard name to say for some of you, like a Gerardus, and his wife, are telling us about what God is doing in their life. They're telling us about how they've led trips to Cambodia and Thailand in the years before that. And almost in a way, begin to just tell us what God's doing with them. As we're sitting at the lunch table, Gerardus mentions that they believe Dubai could be a base church for them to better fulfill their calling. And then I don't know where he just dropped something about him using his engineer skills to do something with regards to water in third world countries. And as we sit there, Rob remembers a prophetic word in Well of Life's prophetic book. All the prophetic words we receive, we put them in there. And Rob remembers one of those. And this is the word that Rob then shares with him. It's from Kerry Saudi on the 30th of April in 2005. I saw you going into other countries with teams of people, but they weren't just teams. They were experts in certain areas like engineers and water borers and stuff like that. I saw you going into some third world countries with expertise, not just for the spiritual, but also for the natural and coming into places where there were really poor people and the expertise have the ability with enough money to bring equipment in for a few days. And I remember sitting there as Rob shares this and Gerardus looks at him and his eyes almost pop out. He said he jumps forward and he says, that's it. That is it. And Rob described that later he said to him, it was like a summation of his calling in that moment. God used something that he released in 2005 to unlock something physically for this family 16 years later. God is doing something in the midst of the prophetic words that are released. Gerardus and his family are currently looking for work in Dubai. So if you are an engineer and you want to give up your job for him, it might be a good idea, or... <laughs> Or if you know of anybody else that is looking for engineers, maybe God wants to use you to unlock that part of their journey. So I'd encourage you to come and chat to me or to Rob afterwards and we can connect it. But do you see how beautiful it is how God released something 16 years ago and unlocks it physically now? 
I don't mean to be a bummer, but we need to talk about some red lights. Because there can be some weird things that happen in the prophetic. And there needs to be some practicals like ding, 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 ding. That's not from God. All right? So the first red light that we see is that the prophetic is not about quick fixes. Our world is a growing culture of getting things as soon as we want them, especially in Dubai. You want food? It gets delivered to your house in 30 minutes. If you need fuel for the car, don't waste time by going to the petrol station. Just get car food to deliver it whenever you want. <laughs> you need a girlfriend or boyfriend? Don't waste time building into relationships. Just swipe left and right until you're happy and then choose that one. Not a good idea. But the prophetic is not a quick fix to our situations or our livelihood. Too often, we can wrongly desire prophecy because we want, we want God to speak to us now. God, fix my situation now. Perform a miracle now. The prophetic is not about getting an answer to immediately solve our problems. It stirs us into motion towards the will of God in our lives. The second red light is that the prophetic is never contrary to God's word. As we've uncovered, the prophetic is a Holy Spirited, prompt, a Holy Spirit prompted moment or revelation, but it is capable of mistakes, not because of the Holy Spirit, but because of he or she who receives that prophetic word and the perception of that revelation and the thinking about that and then the report of that is all open to human error, which makes it fallible. It's open to mistakes. So therefore, even though the, the prophetic is from God, we need to know that as we report that, it does not have an authority that is on par with Scripture. Because there are no mistakes in God's Word. Scripture is verbally inspired by God. It's not just spirit-prompted. The very words of the biblical writers are the words of God. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. But that is not true of the words of the prophetic. The Word of God, above all else, is supreme authority in our lives. There is nothing anyone could prophesy that would contradict God's word. They can try, but that's that bing, 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 bing moment to know that that is not from God. It's contrary to, contradictory to his word and an indicator of false prophecy. If you encounter a moment of receiving a prophetic word and it feels uncomfortable, run. <laughs> You're either uncomfortable because maybe God wants to push you in a direction that you've been putting off, and I encourage that for you to go there. But maybe you're uncomfortable more often than not because that prophetic word is contradictory to God's word. Paul encourages us in 1 Thessalonians to not despise prophecies, but to test everything and hold fast to what is good. We need to test prophecies and weigh them up against the word of God. On the other hand, there are those who are so skeptical about prophecy. It feels like sorcery to you. You've just you've never enjoyed it. Maybe someone has release something bad over your life, or it's just it's never felt right with you, I want you to know that the prophetic is a beautiful gift from God. And I, I sense that some of us, maybe, are missing out on what God wants to do in our life because we just have built up this wall to the prophetic. And I think that maybe that wall is going to be coming down today. An example of something that contradicts God's word, a friend of mine back in South Africa, long ago, she was at home, her husband was out at work, and these two young men come, uh, two young men from the church come to the house and say, hey, God has told us to come and lay in bed with you. 
<laughs> other than wanting to use a baseball bat and absolutely beat the gospel into both of those guys, that is so contradictory to God's word. I mean, come on. So she immediately says to them, that's not from God. That's not in his word. You better humble. And humble means you better get out of here. I can use another word, but I don't want to do that. But she basically told them to get the hell out of there. It's not from God's word. And I want to tell you guys that the Holy Spirit would never reveal something that is contradictory to God's word. There are no recorded instances that we can account of where that has ever been true. And then the third red flag or third red warning sign is that the prophetic is not about self-gain. The heart of the prophet is not to profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. The prophet does not operate for self-gain. God releases, as we have seen, the prophetic to stir up others to walk in his will. By no means did Jonah go and prophesy to Nineveh so that he could get a great following. Everyone knew that the word that he brought, he would probably get beaten up or maybe killed for bringing a prophecy of destruction over them. The, pro the heart of a prophet is humble, knowing that there's open to human error, yet still desiring wholeheartedly for God's people to walk in the world that he has for them. Let me make this clear. You should never pay for prophecy. The reason I say that, so with all the self-acclaimed prophets in Africa, and the reason I use that as an example is because it's where I grew up. I don't mean to make fun, but it is the example that I have. These self-acclaimed prophets would draw crowds of thousands, bring them to a stadium, preach on all sorts of stuff, do all sorts of nonsense on stage, try and do healing. And one big message that is proclaimed is that God wants to make you rich. All you got to do is take all the money that you have, bring it to the front of the stage. Maybe we'll pray for you. And we just hope that God will make you rich. I mean, that is absolute donkey's breakfast. That is so not true. Imagine Agabus coming to Antioch with big banners all over town with a big title that says, Prophet Agabus, famine or riches? Which one will it be? See you on Saturday at 7 p.m. <laughs> I mean, absolutely not true, right? Absolutely absurd. The prophet does not desire his own fame and recognition. If you see this, I genuinely mean it. Run. Or go and, go and prophesy that God is going to strike down that prophet with, with something. Do not allow yourself to fall into that trap. I know it sounds silly, but it can so easily be something we fall into. Especially watch out when someone has self-proclaimed themselves as a prophet. Because that's not how it works. Can I call a band to come up, please? So we've got red lights and green lights. We know what the role of the prophet is. We, we now have an understanding of, of how the gift of prophecy works. But I feel there's a response for us as a church today, prophetically. Earlier this week, I received a message from Ilame. She was here this morning. Some of you might know her, and she, she really loves the Lord and spends a lot of time praying. But I received this message from her that was so out of the blue, and I just knew, okay, Ilame's been praying. Thanks for the message. And just got on with my week and carried on going. But as I continued to think about this, the preach that we're going to be talking about today, this thing just kept coming back to my mind. It kept coming back. And no matter what I tried, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go away. And so then I go back to this word. I felt like God said, go back to the word. And so I go back to the message. And this is what her message reads. And I feel it's so appropriate for the preach today. This is what the message said. You do not light a lamp to put it under a bucket. 
I sense that God is awakening spiritual gifts and there's a lot of light shooting out like spotlights in the deep darkness over Dubai. And I feel that's a response for so many of us today. Can I ask us to stand? There are so many of us today who don't know that this gift is on our life. Maybe today's the first time you as a woman have realized that the word of God actually says that this gift is on your life too. Maybe it's the first time you've seen that we are encouraged to actually desire and operate in the prophetic to build up one another. This gift that Paul so earnestly desires for us all to operate in, I feel like what God's doing today is going to be lifting that bucket off of people. No longer that you would just not know that you have this on your life and that you would begin to shine through the light of Jesus in your life in this gift as we edify one another, as we prophesy over one another. Remember, it's not about predicting the future all the time. It's about edifying, reporting the message which God brings to our hearts, to our minds. And my friends, we need to be reminded that there's no way we can operate in the prophetic if we don't constantly remind ourselves of the one who makes it able for us. The one who fulfilled all prophecy, the, the coming of the Messiah, the prophecies of the Old Testament. He goes to the grave, he dies in our place, and he stands lifted up above it all makes it possible that we would be able to receive this from our Father through Jesus not by any efforts of our own but by His grace